Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. The title of my message this morning is What Impossible Looks Like Through God's Eyes. Now, um, when I think about uh, eyesight, um, in fact, just this morning alone, uh, Pastor Paul commented and mentioned um, what good eyesight I have. Um, and it made me think as well about my, my wife. Sally Ann, um, she has a, uh, let's call it a prescription pair um, of glasses, uh, spectacles that she has to wear. So she wears prescription lenses. Um, and without them, she sees the world in, in, a, in a particular way. And if I was to use one word to describe the way that she sees the world without her prescription lenses, uh, that word would probably, probably be um, blurry. So without her lenses, the world looks blurry. Without her prescription lenses, it looks like everything is just one big blur. But the moment that she pops her lenses in, either her contact lenses or puts on a pair of glasses, then everything becomes crystal clear. She's able to focus. She's able to see things um, from a distance, things that are close to her. She's able to perceive depth. Um, literally, it's a transformation of the world as she knows it all because she's now wearing her lenses, which have been prescribed for her. So that got me thinking, um, when we talk about the concept of things being impossible, what does that look like, if you like, through God's lenses or through God's eyes? I'm hoping that as we go through these various passages of Scripture, that we begin to receive a bit of clarity and it begins to transform our outlook on situations that you and I might be facing right now. Things that we might be going through right now, difficult things. Um, and dare I say, possibly seemingly impossible things. But if we look through the eyes of Jesus, if we look through God's eyes at what does impossible look like, um, it might just change the way that we perceive our situation, our circumstance. It might transform our world the way that Sally Ann's world is transformed when she puts on a pair of prescription glasses. So let's begin. The Bible reads as follows in the book of Zechariah chapter 8, and we'll be reading from verse 6 to verse 8, um, and I'll read this from the Amplified Bible. Starting at verse 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is difficult in the eyes of the remnant, meaning those who remain, of this people, in those days in which this comes to pass, would it also be difficult in my sight? If it's difficult in the eyes of the remnant of this people in those days, would it also be difficult in my sight? Remember, this is the Lord speaking declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the east country and from the west, and I will bring them home, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth, faithfulness, and in righteousness. Now, in verse 6, 
when the Lord speaks and he, and he asks the question, if it is difficult in the eyes of man, to paraphrase, the word difficult that's being used there is the Hebrew word um, pala. It's actually pronounced uh, polo. It's spelled P-A-L-A. And what that word means or, or, or what the connotation or the meaning behind that word is, it speaks about um, being marvelous, being wonderful, being surpassing, being extraordinary, being separate by distinguishing action, to be beyond one's power. And that's quite an important thought just to pause on. When something is so difficult that it feels like it's beyond your power. To be difficult to do, to be difficult to understand. I can, I can imagine that we often go through situations and circumstances where we, where we can't even come to grips with just the magnitude of the situation. Never mind trying to figure out um, how are we going to actually overcome? How are we going to actually be victorious? So it's difficult to the extent that it's even difficult to understand. To be wonderful, to be extraordinary, to do extraordinary or hard or difficult things. To make wonderful or to do wondrously. So in this passage of scripture, there's a question that comes to mind when I read this passage of scripture. And I ask myself, if whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstance is, if it's difficult, if it's extraordinary, if it's hard, if it's beyond one's power, and let me personalize it, if it's beyond my power, I'm facing a situation that's beyond my power. And if it's, I'm, I'm describing it in this way because that's how it looks to me. So it's, it's difficult and it's hard and it's beyond my power in the eyes of man. In other words, through my eyes, through my lenses. The question is, is it the same in the eyes of God? Is it the same if I view it through the lenses of God? And the answer is point number one of my message. The answer is, wait for it, it depends. Now, for those of you who know that I am an admitted attorney, you would probably say to me, ah, oh, Stuart, that's, that's a typical lawyer answer. What do you mean it depends? Well, it depends. Let's look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. Again, I'm still reading from the Amplified Bible. And I'll read verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with people, as far as it depends on them, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'll read that again. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. Point number one, it depends. But Jesus looked at them and said, with people, as far as it depends on them, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So the answer to whether something is impossible or not depends. It depends on who you are depending on. And no, I haven't stumbled over my words. I'm intentionally phrasing it that way. It depends on who you are depending on. If you are depending on yourself, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your uncle, your local pastor, to get it right and to make it happen, 
then the situation remains impossible because it depends on who you're depending on. You see your skills, as Pastor Paul likes to refer to, you know, people who have uh, possibly footballing skills, they like to brag and often speak about my skills. Well, your skills will not make the impossible possible. But if you are depending on God to make the impossible possible, then with God, according to this passage of scripture, all things are possible. So you see, um, I wasn't just trying to lawyer you. It really does depend. I hear you saying, Stuart, do you really think that I can come first in my high school? I mean, out of my entire high school, out of all of the matriculants that are in my high school, do you really think that I've got the ability to come first, not just in my class, but first in my grade, first throughout my entire high school? Well, it depends. It depends on who you are depending on. Stuart, do you really think that in my division, in my age category, I can win my triathlon? Well, it depends on who you are depending on. Are you depending on yourself or are you depending on Christ? Stuart, do you really think that I can pull off an entire wedding in the current economic climate taking into consideration the circumstances surrounding COVID-19 at the moment. Do you really think that we can pull something like that off? Putting together, pulling off an entire wedding? Well, Brother Saifo, it depends. It depends on who you are depending on. Amen. So here's my question to you. How do you switch dependencies? How do you switch dependencies from being dependent on yourself or on others to being dependent on God? Well, one way is to first of all stop doubting. The reason oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the reason that we make a plan B, that we come up with a plan B, is because we doubt that God will indeed come through for us. How do we stop doubting? One of the ways is to remind ourselves about the things that God has already done. Which brings me to my second point this morning. Counteract doubt by reminding yourself of God's track record. I'll say that again. Counteract doubt by reminding yourself of God's track record. In other words, the things that he's already done. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. O Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Why is nothing too difficult for God? Because this is the same God who with his great power and outstretched arm, has made the heavens and the earth. And what I'm doing is, is I'm reminding myself. I'm declaring it to the heavens. I'm speaking into my situation and into my circumstance. And I'm reminding myself and I'm letting the devil know as well as a freebie. That by the way, this God who I'm putting my trust in is the same God who made the heavens and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm and nothing 
Nothing in comparison, nothing else can therefore be too difficult for him. I'm expelling doubts. I'm getting rid of doubts by reminding myself of the things that God has done. And in the same way, the same God is able to help me come first in my high school, is able to help me to win my triathlon, and is able to help me to pull off an amazing, a stunning, a beautiful, a spectacular wedding. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes and Um, Pastor Paul has been ministering quite a lot on the attributes of God. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How? Because they are being understood through his workmanship. What is his workmanship? All that he has created or all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made. In other words, the things that he's already done. So that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without an excuse and without a defense. So if I, if you were to call me up and you were to say, Stuart, listen, I have not been trusting in God. I haven't been putting my belief and my confidence in him. But because I know that you are a lawyer, I'd really like you to please come and defend me. Please create a defense for me. Please create an excuse for me of why up until today I have not trusted in him. My answer to you in our consultation would be, unfortunately, That's not possible. You see, you are without excuse and you are without a defense. Because the very creation itself, the things that God has made testify of his goodness. Testify that he's one who can be trusted in. Amen. And so you say to me, Stuart, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. Um, but you don't understand. It's so difficult for me to trust that God will come through. I don't find it easy. It's such a difficult thing for me to trust and believe that God will come through. Again, I say, you are without excuse. You are without defense. All of creation testifies of the marvelous things God has already done. In other words, his track record. Psalm 18 and verse 17. He rescued me from my strong enemy. We're talking about the things that God has already done. He rescued me, past tense. He has already rescued me. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. Now, I hope and pray that you don't have any enemies. But in the event that you do have an enemy, and not just an enemy, but a strong enemy, one that's too strong for you to be able to deal with. Psalm 18 and verse 17 says that he's able to rescue you from your strong enemy. Even from those who might hate you. What is God's track record? What has God done? What did he do for you? Did he rescue you? Has he ever rescued you? Is there any track record that you can point to where you can show his goodness and his faithfulness and how he's come through in the nick of time? 
even in a situation where there was strong opposition against you and you felt outnumbered and overwhelmed and surrounded and it still came through for you. You see, in this passage of scripture, what's clear to me is two things. Firstly, that that enemy, that strong enemy, is too strong for me, but even more importantly, that that strong enemy can never be too strong for God. Psalm 57, and reading the contemporary English, English version, you have rescued me from all of my troubles, not some of my troubles, not the ones that you thought might be important or more important than my other troubles, but you have rescued me from absolutely all of my troubles. And my own eyes have seen my enemies fall. Again, my hope is that you don't have enemies. I hope that you're walking in love and peace and harmony with your neighbors, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But talk about someone to have in your corner. Having this God who's able to rescue you from all of your troubles. And you're able to watch and witness with your own eyes. You're able to be a witness as he intervenes and your enemies fall one by one by one. Just in case you struggle to, to remember some of the things that God has done for you. Here are seven seemingly impossible things that God did in the Bible. Number one, if you have a look at Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6, you'll see how Moses was able to draw water from a stone. Seemingly, something seemingly impossible. Also, if you read the account of Sarah and Elizabeth, two barren women who were then able to conceive children. Again, a seemingly impossible situation. In the book of Esther, chapter 3 and verse 9, you'll see how Esther was able to save her Jewish kin from essentially being slaughtered. The Virgin Mary giving birth to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is found in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the book of Judges, Judges 4, you'll see how God delivered Jabin and the, and the Canaanite army into the hands of Israel, even though the enemy army was mightier than Israel's army. In 2 Samuel verse 5, David asked God if he should attack the Philistines. And you'll see how the Lord promises David that, yes, I will give the Philistines into your hand. And you see how that promise is fulfilled in verse 19 and verse 20. And lastly, Job was a man of God who lost absolutely everything. But the almighty God was able to do in Job's life what would have been absolutely impossible for any other person in his life to be able to do. You see, on the one hand, God defeats our physical enemies, and that's what we've been talking about up until this point, but he also conquers the ones that you and I cannot see. John Piper said the following, There is no disease, no addiction, no demon, no bad habit, no fault, no vice, no weakness, no temper, no moodiness, no pride, no self-pity, 
no strife, no jealousy, no perversion, no greed and no laziness that Christ will not overcome as the enemy of his honor. You see, I would encourage you this morning and throughout the course of the week to search your heart and lay these unseen enemies before Jesus and trust him to help you to overcome them. Here are three things to remember about accomplishing the impossible. First thing to remember is that the power to accomplish the impossible comes from God. It's important to know that. That the power that you and I will receive to accomplish the impossible comes from God. You see, at a first glance, you might want to give the credit to the main characters in those seven biblical accounts. You might want to give them the, the credit for the victory. But the power comes from the Father. He is the source. And I've spoken about source on a number of other occasions. John Bloom said in his article, Desiring God, God never calls us to any kingdom responsibility we are capable of pulling off on our own. I'll say that again. God never calls us to any kingdom responsibility that we are capable of pulling off on our own. In other words, without him. To put it slightly differently, if you could do it on your own without God's help, who do you think would get the glory? And that brings me to my second point. The impossible is accomplished for God's glory. It's God, God who brought forth life-giving water. It's God who saves lives. It's God who creates life. God is most glorified by bringing an event to pass which seems to be impossible to everyone witnessing it. And by doing this, he demonstrates that only his power is sufficient, that he and he alone is the source of that kind of power that's able to turn an impossible situation around. John Bloom said, Nothing teaches us prayerful dependence like the desperation that comes from being assigned to do what you can't do without God. That's such a powerful statement. Nothing teaches us prayerful dependence like the desperation that comes from being assigned to do what you can't do without God. The impossible is accomplished through prayer. When a problem becomes worse and praying for a solution seems pointless, Please open your Bible to Luke 11 and verse 9. Luke 11 and verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. So what do you do when a problem becomes worse and praying for a solution seems completely pointless to you? Even if it seems pointless, 
Don't stop praying. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Ask and keep asking. I'm here to tell you that God will come through. Eric Raymond wrote at the Gospel Coalition, prayer is a blood-bought privilege for those who trust and treasure Jesus. Prayer is a blood-bought privilege for those who trust and treasure Jesus. Point number three, have faith. We're talking about looking at what does impossible look like through the eyes of Christ? Point number three, have faith. One of the greatest challenges that Jesus continually gave his followers was to have faith. And he knew that having faith held the power to make amazing things happen. Peter had a little bit of faith and he was able to walk on water. You can find that in the book of Matthew 14 and verse 29. The woman with the issue of blood had a little bit of faith and she was healed instantly after having suffered without any hope for 12 years. You can find that in Matthew chapter 9 from verse 20 to verse 22. A little bit of faith was all that it took to enable the blind to see in the book of Mark chapter 10 verse 46 to verse 52. And it took a little bit of faith that brought the dead back to life in the book of Hebrews Chapter 11 and verse 35. Question. How can we tell when there's an absence of faith in our life? How can we tell when there is an absence of faith in our life? Simple, we stop believing in the impossible and we settle for living a small life. We stop believing in the impossible, that God is able to do that which seems impossible and we start to settle for just living a small, simple life. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 to verse 20 from the New International Version. Verse 19 reads, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? Speaking about the demon that they could not drive out. And Jesus replies, He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you, if you have faith. Reading from the Message Bible, Romans 4 and verse 18. When everything was hopeless, and that's the context, I want you to understand the context of the scripture in Romans chapter 4. And verse 18, the context is contained in the opening lines. When everything was hopeless, that was the circumstance, that was the situation. And in that context, Abram believed anyway. So even though everything around him was hopeless, Abram believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw, through his own lenses, not living, not, not deciding to, to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made 
a father of a multitude of people. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Please note the context when everything was hopeless. Faith in God makes the impossible possible. Abram had a serious mountain, a seemingly expired promise of God to become a father of many nations. He and his wife were past the age of childbearing and yet he believed anyway. I challenge each and every one of us, I challenge myself first and foremost, to believe anyway, despite the obvious, plain to see, hopeless circumstance. Believe anyway. You see, Abram's faith in God was able to move mountains because he had the courage to turn and talk to God, to seek God's face to the point of trusting him to do the impossible. Point number four, take a risk of faith. Take a risk of faith. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20, reading from the Message Bible. Just then, a woman who had hemorrhaged for 12 years slipped in from behind and lightly touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can just put a finger on his robe, I'll get well. Jesus turned, caught her at it, in other words, caught her in the act of touching his robe or the hem of his garment. Then he reassured her, courage, daughter, you took a risk of faith. You took a risk of faith and now you are well. The woman was well from then on. I'm saying to you, I'm challenging you, take a risk of faith. You're going to have to step out in faith. Take the risk and place your trust in God. Is it going to, is it going to be easy? Of course it won't be. It won't be easy. The hardest part will be getting past yourself as the biggest hindrance. So, of course, it's not going to be easy. But if you are prepared to push past yourself and any other obstacle to take the risk of being able to touch the hem of his garment, then I believe wholeheartedly that you will experience on a first-hand basis the power of God to accomplish the impossible in your life. I'll say it again, not on a second-hand basis. Not feeding off of someone else's experience or someone else's revelation or someone else's second-hand encounter of God at work in their situation or in their life or in their circumstance. If you are prepared to push past yourself, if you are prepared to take that leap of faith and trust in Him and see what the impossible situation that you are currently dealing with, see what it looks like through God's eyes, then I truly believe that you will have a first-hand experience of the power of God to accomplish the seemingly impossible in your life. It won't just be something that you hear others speak about. It will be a testimony that you yourself 
have got to share. This morning, I encourage you. I encourage you to take a leap of faith with Christ. Nothing is impossible. Amen.